0: Speaking of which, Live and Lizzie running with the M's. That was interesting. How can they get away like that? I did not see that coming. I thought it would end with them catching them. I thought the whole season was probably going to be the chase, but at the end, some mad shit goes down between all of them. That's what I was expecting. So the fact that they really disappeared with those 16 M's and all their ops are dead... So basically, you lot really took us through this amount of history and years with Top Boy just to end it on White Bitches Be Winning. Because that's the message I got from the show. Look at all the black women around. Stressing. Jack's lost her sister to drugs. Mandy, stressing. Who was the black woman on that show? Kieran's mum, stressing. All of them, nothing but strife. But the white women, the Tees, get to win. mm 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 You lot fucked up. Fucked up. How could they be the only ones with a happy ending? Isn't that crazy to everybody else?
1: I got hot sauce in my bag, swag. Head I drag a chick out the club just for fun. I thought you knew that you got the right one. When my girls, they my ride or
2: die.
1: We turning up on the IG live. Get it back, put the fellas to the side. I'm a hustler, so I always make the mind. Turn your boots to my trick, give me what I need. Uh. Buy me what I want, but I'll never need ya. I would never tell better if I show ya. Built an empire, we hit the floor.
0: welcome to Underrated. I am your host, Hannah OJ. So it's been a while, but your girl is back, but only briefly, kind of, because believe it or not, this is actually the last episode of Underrated. Again, kind of. So if you've been listening to the show regularly and you like my content, please keep listening so you can find out how and where you can catch me going forward. Because like the title says, this is not goodbye. Now, I'm sure some of you have already seen, I post it on socials. However, for those of you that don't know, I did actually start a new branch of the show called the Underrated Salon, but it was essentially just gonna be a platform for my interviews. So the concept is that I interview guests, or well, I will interview more guests, but so far only the one. I will interview guests in black owned nail shops across London. So as I mentioned initially, I intended this just to be a platform for my interviews. However, I was really trying hard to make the concept of unhurrated and the unhurrated salon fit and mesh together. And it just didn't like they're two separate entities trying to be, you know, part of the same thing. One, I talk about pop culture, celebrity gossip, film and television, music, with an array of different guests and podcasters. And on the other, and this is my plan with the Underrated Salon, I'm doing, you know, intimate yet creative interviews with women across the entertainment industry. And it's just a very different vibe. So. It doesn't make any sense to make the underrated salon a stem of underrated, unfortunately. That's why I've decided to wrap up the show as it is. My plan eventually moving forward is that the show is now just gonna be the underrated salon. It will be located in black owned nail salons across London. And there will be certain episodes where I will be doing my original style of content. Like I said, pop culture, celebrity gossip, music, entertainment, film and TV, the likes. And it will continue to be an array of different guests. Those type of episodes that I'm envisioning are going to be like a beauty shop, like barbershop type of vibe where I'm in the chair, maybe getting a manicure, maybe not, but my guests will definitely be getting manicures. And it will just be, like I said, a beauty shop kind of vibe where we'll just be gisting on these topics. That's what I'm envisioning with the underrated salon where it comes to episodes that are not interviews. However, as I have discovered, as I've done my first interview already, logistically it's quite a bit of work to secure an episode in the nail shops you know there's a lot of work that goes into confirming with the guests confirming with the nail shop confirming with the videographer if i'm using one for that episode you know so at the moment i'm trying not to overload and stress myself and just do it one step at a time and focus on the interviews for now so realistically i don't anticipate having an episode like that until the new year hopefully not too far into the new year first quarter i'm thinking but you know, like I said, it takes time to secure these interviews. And I wanna do a couple before I do an episode like that. So basically watch this space for that. So in the meantime, until we get to that point, if you do wanna see me or hear me discuss the same type of topics, I will be doing that on my YouTube platform going forward. I do also do that on TikTok. So I would recommend subscribing to my YouTube channel, Hannah OJ and follow me on TikTok at I am Hannah OJ because there's quite a lot that I do on my TikTok that doesn't go on my YouTube. So I would definitely suggest following me on there regardless. But for anyone that likes TV show reviews, cause I'm sticking to mainly film and television at the moment for YouTube, it's very difficult to try and balance it with a full-time job. As much as I would like to talk about everything at once, I tried to do that and I just burned myself out. It's just almost impossible to film it and edit it and have time to, you know, balance the rest of my life on top of that, you know? So for now I have to be patient and I'm sticking with TV, but I do plan on doing lots of reviews. Like I'm at the moment just doing reality stuff, like, you know, mainly like Housewives. I did the Ultimatum, stuff like that. Love is Blind season five will be coming on next week. I'm going to be doing that. So it's that type of stuff at the moment. However, I do plan on branching into normal TV shows very soon. I'm just trying to think of what show I can do a review on outside of reality at the moment that I'm actually invested in that's worth me doing the work to do it episode by episode. But anyway, sorry, tangent that I didn't really need to go on. I just want to give a little bit of a background and context to what you can expect on YouTube for the moment for anyone that's interested in the topics in the film and television segment of the show. But if you are someone who goes to me for other topics, then I would follow me on TikTok because I do a lot more of that on TikTok at the moment. But yeah, I'm gonna leave it at that at the moment because I tend to over talk and I don't wanna confuse you guys. So I hope that's all clear. If you have any questions, please do tweet one last time with the hashtag underrated. You can also answer the question that I have put forth in this episode and give me any notes or feedback that you have. I would love to know what content you would like to see more of or anything that you haven't seen that you'd like to see me start doing, anything like that, please do let me know. And as I said before, this is not goodbye. This is see you later. Literally see you tomorrow for anybody that follows me on YouTube and TikTok. So anyway, that's that. And without further ado, let's get into the final episode of Underrated as we know it.
1: I got hot sauce in 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 my bag,
0: So. Let's start as always with hot topics. The last week or so I have not been invested in anything that's going on. I've been feeling like that generally recently to be honest. Like half the not even half, good 75 to 8% of the shit that happens online I just don't give a fuck about anymore. Like i will be looking at it like oh my god really like these people again. Ugh. This is actually breaking news though and despite what I just said this did pique my interest just a little bit. So Jeezy has filed for divorce from Genie Mai i was really surprised to read this headline i'm even wondering like could it be fake news because they seemed so genuinely happy like genie mai was singing that niggas praises like in every time she had an opportunity and the same for him so i'm very surprised not even just what the way they spoke about each other whenever you saw them the vibe was very much like in love and having a1 sex you know so I'm very surprised to see this, but I guess, you know, shit happens. Marriage is not easy and they haven't even been together that long. Apparently they've been separated for a while and Jeezy has filed and asked for joint custody of their one-year-old daughter. So yeah, it looks like Jeannie Mai will be back to her white meet very soon. And I also have a question. Is the person who files for divorce, the person who's leaving? Is that always the case? Or is that just the person who was organized enough to do their admin on time first, you know? I just wonder, because I would absolutely be the type of person that even if I asked for divorce first, I bet I'm filing last because I'm just so disorganized like that. It was just a funny thing that crept into my mind when I read that part. And also the whole Drew and Ralph thing, the race to the divorce lawyer's office, just made me wonder like, is the person that files usually the person that asked for a divorce or is that not, generally always the case. Could it just be like, you know, the other person hasn't bothered and he's like, let's just get this done kind of thing. Anyway, that's Jeezy and GD Mai. Jonathan Majors and this obvious PR stunt. I think it's an obvious PR stunt. So there's a video that just came out. I think today as well, actually. It might've been yesterday now. It's Friday evening here. So there's these two teenage girls that are fighting. And Jonathan Majors just happens to be in the right place at the right time, I guess, and breaks up the fight saying, whoa, oh, whoa, 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 kids, violence is wrong, stay in school. I mean, I don't know if that's what he said, because I didn't finish the video, but it probably was something to that effect. He's an actor, he has a script. But yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I think it's fake. And this guy, oh, let me find it on my phone. Because there's this guy that claims to be a member or an ex-member of jonathan majors pr team and he basically said oh so they decided to scrap the shit that i wrote and do this instead and i just want to read what he inserted in this tweet because i just think it's hilarious okay so let me set the scene somewhere that looks suspiciously like a studio lot daytime okay some misguided youth, some misguided youths are fighting misguided use is so hilarious jonathan majors swoops in and puts himself between them hey there kids now violence is never the answer as we seek to create a more perfect world we have to remember to respect our brothers and sisters and not taint our hearts with the poison of brutality remember the words of the great dr martin luther king here is the true meaning and value of compassion and non-violence when it helps to see the enemy's point of view to hear his questions to know his assessment of ourselves for from his view we may indeed see the basic weaknesses of our own condition and if we are mature we may learn and grow and profit from the wisdom of the brothers who are called the opposition. (laughs) Sorry. I think he wrote the last part for shits and giggles because ain't nobody saying all of that, even in the midst of a fake scene that I've set up, you know? (laughs) But yeah, I'm sorry. I don't bother. That shit is real. I'm not even going to spend too much time on it, but it's just hilarious to see how hard Jonathan Majors is working to earn back the praise and approval of the black community. Being seen all over town with Megan Good did not help. So let's try this now. <laughs> Whatever nigga, get out of my face. Another man who needs to make peace with the bed that he chose to lie in, Tory Lanez. So Tory Lanes recently applied for bail and his bail was denied. Tory is actually gonna be appealing. So Tory is trying to file an emergency motion to a higher court to try and reverse the judge's ruling. He wants to be able to be free to spend time with his son while he appeals the process. I just think it's so funny how he did not wanna go to jail this badly. I mean, that's not crazy. Who does wanna go to jail? What I don't get is that if you were really gonna be this resistant to it, then why even play with it in the first place? Like, why risk the fact that you could fuck around and go jail? You could have just not said anything. And that's why I said, I made a TikTok about this last night. You could have literally said nothing. And Megan would have said nothing. And this would have all blown over and we wouldn't even know she got shot because if you guys remember, she said that she stepped in glass initially. She only confirmed what happened when the blog started printing lies. Lies that she was convinced were coming from Tory and his team and it had to, looking back on it now. I mean, even at the time, we didn't really know what was going on. But looking back on it, it's obvious that it came from Tory and his people because who else would be so incentivized to lie about it, to go to blogs and put out f- fake stories? So I just think it's really funny that He was literally playing with fire and doing that, but he was so confident and cocky that the misogynistic audience that is the hip hop community and the black community, let's just be real, would back him up and help him gaslight Megan and blame Megan, the victim, for her own assault. He was so cocky and confident in that, that he fucked around and played with fire. And now he's getting burnt and he's crying about it every week. And I understand that naturally, Nobody wants to go to jail like I just said, but number one, you did do that shit. And number two, if you really, really wanted to try and see a way out and not get punished for it, outside of not saying anything in the first place, you could have just apologized to Megan. You could have shown some type of remorse. You could have actually just been like, you know what, my bad. Outside of you not saying anything, You didn't even have to go this far. You didn't have to taunt Megan. You didn't have to make songs about her. You didn't have to make videos chopping up horse feet. You didn't have to do that shit. You didn't have to blame Kelsey. You didn't have to say it was because you were fucking her. You didn't have to do all of that. That is part of why the judge was so motivated to send his ass to jail because not only did you do that shit, you're clearly not sorry. So I really don't understand for the life of me if you were gonna be this desperate to get out of your punishment, why work so hard to risk being given it in the first place. It's really given the rumors are true and he be on that wipe because his his mindset makes absolutely no sense to me. But anyway, little man, hang in there. You'll be alright. Anyway, all I'm saying is he better start organizing that Christmas talent show, because it don't look like he's coming out anytime soon. And I ain't sorry. He even called Megan, and this is Megan the lawyer, not Megan the Stallion. He called Megan a googly-eyed bitch in court. Like, it's her fault that you're going to jail. Like, she's not just doing her fucking job. Like, why are you always taking your anger out on the wrong people? Is it just Megan's? Like, why you be so mad? You be big mad at women. Like, I'm just saying, you be big mad at women for your own shit. Make it make sense. This is where somebody that still clings on to ignorant phrases and sayings might say, don't drop the soap, nigga. I'm not going to say that, but I'm not going to pretend that every time I see this story, that boondocks clip doesn't go through my mind. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. That's pretty much it for Hot Topics, because like I said, didn't give a fuck about anything. Hence why I've been so quiet on TikTok lately. But I do think that this Tyrese and DJ Envy shit is real funny. I don't know why, but every time I see those grown ass men beefing, I just be looking at them like, you, you man are real, you're grown, like... I don't know why, but every time I see them squabble and go back and forth, him, DJ Envy and Charlemagne, I'm just like, number one, I don't buy that any of you are ever really beefing. I think DJ Envy, Tyrese and Charlemagne are all really good friends. And every so often, whenever Tyrese wants his name to be seen again, they have a talk and they just make sure that their shit blows up in the blogs and on The Breakfast Club because This this story doesn't even make any sense to me. That Tyrese worked so hard to help DJ Envy get his wife back and then he tried to fuck her. Like, I'm not saying it's not possible. It's it's not impossible. Like, perhaps he was just in a completely different place when he was trying to fuck her than when he was trying to get them back together. <laughs> like, it's it's not impossible, but I don't know, just the way DJ Envy told the story, I just wasn't sold. Like, I was just like, I feel like even if there was a little chance that he wanted to smash, he wouldn't have worked so hard to get you lot back together. Do you know what I mean? Especially considering DJ Envy fucked up real bad. Like he fucked Erica Mena, as most of us know, that are even a little bit invested in them so he fucked up real bad because not only did you cheat on your wife you cheated on your wife with some anybody that's on a reality show like how are you going to treat on your wife for someone who fucked rich dollars that is like that's what i would say if i was GM, like you really cheated on me with some bird that fucked rich dollars like wow but anyway he really fucked up so tyrese probably had to work real hard to try and be a friend and you know reunite them as a couple so then DJ Envy turning around and saying that there was one or two comments that he made to Gia that were inappropriate and that you shouldn't make to another man's wife. Da, 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 da. I was just like, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't really believe this. And every time they pop up with their beef, it's always something like stupid that just seems to have come out of nowhere. Like the last time, what was it? That like Tyrese always uses them and he only calls if they want something. I don't know. It's just always, it's just always stuff that I'm sure they're not really going to be beefing about a week later, if that makes sense. But hey, on the off chance that there is some truth to this, um, I don't really understand the point of them having a public conversation about it because like Tyree said in his response, we've been talking since then, like we've been friends since then. So are you really sure I tried to fuck your wife? Like, is that really what you think? Because I don't know, I, I don't understand why you'd be friends with a man that wants to fuck your wife. Like, I just don't really, I don't really get that. that. That doesn't make no sense to me. That's another reason why the story don't add up because why is that nigga still your friend then if you think he's trying to smash your wife? Anywho, that's about it for Hot Topics. Let's get into TV talk. I got hot I got
1: sauce hot in, in my, my work.
0: Let's get into TV talk. So, Top Boy, season three, also technically season five if you watch the Summer House version on channel four. So, Top Boy, this is not a hot take. This is the same take as everybody else's. This season was shit. Hate is a strong word, but is it altogether inaccurate? I don't know. No, maybe not hate, but I strongly disliked it. (laughs) I strongly disliked this season. It was a terrible way to end one of the best TV shows that we've been blessed with in the UK, in my opinion. There was a reason why everybody was so excited about Top Boy's return onto Netflix. Because they set the bar so high in season three, aka season one on Netflix, these last two seasons, honestly, were a disappointment for me. Season 2 it wasn't anywhere near as good as the first one. I was still interested enough because I like seeing the story play out with the new connects and I thought it was really interesting that they went to Morocco for this one. So I that to me was still interesting enough that it didn't it almost didn't really kick in that it was a little bit of a disappointment compared to the first season until my rewatch because then you get the exciting ending with Jamie dying as well. So When I look back on it, I was like, oh, you know what? It wasn't given like season one was given. But you know what? We go again. And obviously, it being the final season, you have your hopes so high. This is the time to get explosive now because it's the final season. Anything can happen, you know? This, I, I, for the life of me, don't understand what the issue was. But my guess, as a viewer from watching it, they just didn't give a fuck about the show anymore. They just weren't invested. The people that were behind the writing and the producing, they just didn't care. And I... Listen to the entire episode of Ashley Waters on The Diary of a CEO. And he mentioned that they, him and Kano, particularly pushed a lot for certain things this season. They, they push every season, apparently. That doesn't surprise me. But for whatever reason, this season they got a lot of pushback. They got a lot of resistance. And I don't know if anybody saw this, but last year there was an article written about Kano storming off the set on Top Boy because he had an issue with something that they'd written in the script, some big storyline. And when I watched this and when I thought about what Ashley said on the diary of a CEO, I was like, I wonder if they left whatever it was in, or whether they ended up having to change it to get him back on set. Like I just thought it was it was mainly just rushed. That was my critique. It felt like everything that we saw only had the intention to tie things up with a neat little bow and move on to the next thing nothing had any life in it the storylines didn't breathe enough like it just wasn't enough like firstly the connect storyline i literally just said in the last season even though it wasn't as good the reason why i enjoyed it so much is because you get that theme that you usually get with a new season where we got a new connect, a new background usually, a different culture. And we kind of learn more about them and the way they they work and what their country's like, what dealing drugs in their country's like. That's what I really liked about the second season. Obviously in the first season, you get it with Lizzie and, and her, her man. Um, so I guess we've got the Irish again, but with these Irish dons, I really didn't, like, it's so unlike Top Boy to have characters like that introduce and then kill them off in the episode. Sorry, spoiler alert, in case it wasn't obvious, I'm going to be releasing spoilers. But it's so strange that they put such emphasis on those characters and their introduction. Like they fucking introduce them with heads in a box for God's sake, like, and then they get killed off so quickly and so easily in the second episode in that nursing home. Like, it just didn't make sense to me. And I really hope auntie got her retirement fund, by the way, because the way she was sweating, I felt like so, my anxiety was doing a lot on her behalf. So I really hope sis got her retirement fund. But That's neither here nor there. Shelly and her nine nail shops. Shelly really pissed me off this season. Firstly, I've said from the beginning, not from the beginning, because the first scene was okay. But from the second season, I have said, Shelly and Duchesne literally have no chemistry. Nothing between them. They're brethrens at best. I don't know if it's Lil Sim's acting because I believe her as a character. Do you know what I mean? It's just her relationship with Duchesne that's like, no, like mismatched. Anyway, her nine nail shops. Babe, Duchesne was right in nearly everything he said to her. And that pissed me off because I don't even like Duchesne. But I agreed with him when he said, you're going from one nail shop to nine. Like that's a huge change. Like, and it was a lot of money she was asking for. But anyway, She's satisfied with the fact that her man's a drug dealer now. All of a sudden, he comes back without the money, and then it's like, oh, you're bloody. Oh no, I can't do this. I can't worry about when you're coming back bloody and this and that packing of shit. Babe, stop it. Stop. You're being a bird. Like, you're acting like you're not a bird, but quack, quack, you're a bird. Like, again, I agree with Dushane. If he came back with that 2.1 mil, you would be staying and you know it. So don't even talk about, oh, me and my daughter, we can't live here. Don't even try it. You didn't care about your daughter until then. (laughs) Okay. You were happy to risk you and your daughter's life for some 2.1 m's before. So what happened? What changed? She even knew the bitch's name. She knew Liza's name and everything. So you knew in detail what this man was about. So I just thought it was really funny with the way she had to just run away. Like she didn't know what that nigga was into. But anyway, speaking of which, Live and Lizzie running with the M's, that was interesting. How can they get away like that? I did not see that coming. I thought it would end with them catching them. I thought the whole season was probably gonna be the chase, but at the end, some mad shit goes down between all of them. That's what I was expecting. So the fact that they really disappeared with those 16 M's and all their ops are dead. So basically, you lot really took us through this amount of history and years with Top Boy just to end it on White Bitches Be Winning. Because that's the message I got from the show. Look at all the black women around. Stressing. Jack's lost her sister to drugs. Mandy, stressing. Who was the black woman on that show? Kieran's mum, stressing. All of them, nothing but strife. But the white women, the teeves, get to win. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. You lot fucked up. Fucked up. the only ones with a happy ending isn't that crazy to everybody else anyway let's move on duchene killing what's his name is that guy's name jeffrey that was the dumbest thing they could have written in top boy are you really telling me that Duchesne, crime boss top boy has got this far in doing the dirt that he does and he's gonna kill a guy like that with his bare hands and not clean up the crime scene properly this is the laziest script writing I have ever fucking seen. It's not even the fact that he didn't even clean it up. He cleaned, but not properly. He wiped the kitchen top and left, and left the body there. Ha- what? Why are you bothering to get bleach out for anything if you're still gonna leave the body there and leave fingernails all over the door and all that shit? Like, come on, I don't care how angry that nigga was. He's killed people in cold blood before when he's angry. And he's still cleaned up the crime scene. So how do you explain now? Like, oh my God. I really thought that Duchesne was gonna die of a heart attack. That's what I thought. Cause then I was like, so what's the point of all these heart issues then? What the fuck does that mean? We never even got a diagnosis. Like so much stuff that they just threw at us and didn't ever expound on. What I will say is that I love the first episode. Kieran almost getting deported and then him being let go eventually. I really loved that episode. Obviously, it brought to forefront the issues that we're having within our government in the UK now, where they're deporting a lot of boys that have grown up here are UK citizens, but they were brought into the country when they were very young, when they were a baby or when they were toddlers, when it was still legal to bring children in or infants in without a passport back then. So, technically, they are here legally. I loved how it ended. Obviously, in real life, it wouldn't have went down like that. I was watching it like, this is beautiful, this is so nice. I love how it ended like this. But in real life, they would just got the dogs on, y'all. Yeah, they would have said, all you niggas up out here. But I did really like that episode. And I liked Kieran this season as well. I loved how loyal he was to Jack. I hated it ending like that. Sucks to be him because, oh, when I when that episode came around, I was like, he should have just gone back home. <laughs> because it would have sucked, but at least he would have still been alive. I'm sure providing his mom got better as well, she would just end up joining him out there. And that would have been cool. Like, you know, they would have had a nice life away from Rose, away from the ends in the sun. Boy, that's a way happier ending than what happened to Kieran. Aaron in Leeds, you're a selfish prick. How can your brother die and you fuck off to Leeds? And this is what pisses me off about it. It's the fact that you are only doing a marketing degree in university there. Or has he graduated from uni there and he's just working in marketing now? Do not piss me off. You can do that at so many fucking places in London. There is nothing marketing wise that you can get in Leeds that you cannot get in London. So the fact that he wasn't even around his young junior brother to help. And you know what? Even if you are there, take a train up every once in a while. A fucking phone call. We didn't even get a phone call. Crazy. He ain't shit. But yeah, I hated that for Steph. I loved, I don't remember his name, but the the boy that plays Steph, I think he's such a great actor. I think he could do really, really big things from here. Cause I think that he has like, it's not the easiest thing to convey everything you need to in expression. Cause he actually didn't have that many lines outside of his scenes with Erin. He really didn't have that many lines this season, if you really think about it, but he conveyed a lot in his body language and his face. And I think that that's not as easy as people think it is. So I think that, you know, that kid is going places. So I'm definitely excited to see what happens from him going forward. And that scene with Sully at the end was perfect. Like, I think he acted that perfectly. And to be honest, he's always been pretty good in the show. So yeah, I'm excited to see what he'll do next. But yeah, him and Erin... Their scenes were cute, like their story line was really cute. But it was essentially a waste of time. Like, I feel like we've come so far to introduce new characters now in that way. Like, you didn't even show us that much of her when Driss was around. So I don't really get now, just because her mom is a bit more of a main character and a bit more centered this season. I don't think we need to get her you as well, personally. But Erin was cute though, I liked her. I really liked how she was so like mature and responsible for her age. Like, I, I really liked that. It was really like, it was definitely given like, oh, your mum raised you well kind of thing. But yeah, like it was cute, but a waste of time. Like you could have fit in so much more stuff that you missed out with those with that space, I'm just saying. Like when people were saying that Ronelle should have come and stuff like that, I agree. Like they were missing a huge moment from this season, that a, a full circle moment. You know, like anyone that watches Snowfall, the last episode where it all comes full circle they were missing those moments and it could have so it could have been so good even if the season was as shit as it was and they did that in the last episode it could have, it would have still been enough to give people satisfaction from the last season you know so I, I just I don't understand what they were doing this season I really don't. it's six episodes as well like just in, all in a blink of an eye the fuck the last ep- the last season oh so many things about this pissed me off. Oh, let's move on to Lauren though, because what happened to her was such a shock. Not necessarily that she was on drugs. I didn't see that for Lauren, but in the beginning of the way the season started, you could tell like, and I do like that they did this. The fact that the problems didn't all just go away simply because they killed the monster, you know? Like those things still linger. I I, I actually really like that they made that choice with the script because it really shows how impactful it is when somebody abuses you to that point. I mean, we assume that that man was putting hands on her. I don't believe that the way he was, he he didn't ever, but it was mainly emotional and mental abuse. And I think that in doing that, it just shows how much of an impact somebody fucking with you like that has on you, that even though they're dead and you literally know they can't hurt you any longer, they still feel like a threat to you. I like that. And, you know, in the Aftermath of that, Lauren was very depressed, didn't feel any kind of connection to the baby, emotional connection. Like they could have played with this storyline so long. Sorry, as I bring up these things, I'm going to get more annoyed because they could have done so much with that storyline with Lauren and her lack of uh, emotional connection to the baby. She didn't even name that baby yet. She came up to the last, the last point. I don't know how long they give you to name a baby, but she was literally like the day before or something like this, you need a name. That is so... I've never heard of such. I've never heard of a mother having a baby for such a long period of time and not naming it, you know? So that just really showed how detached she was from the baby and it was because of the trauma that Curtis put on her, the father. Even her in the beginning saying, don't you think she looks like him or he looks like him? And Jack was like, no, like Jack was obviously just being an avoidant the whole time. And Lauren was really like, she couldn't avoid the problem. Like it was staring her in the face, hence why she had to run to drugs. I'm not gonna lie, crack is crazy. For your first drug like obviously she probably smoked a little weed now and then but like you know to literally not really be someone that dabbles in drugs at all as far as we've known you and then to just do crack insane <laughs> like not coke first not mdm like jerry like you, who just goes to crack directly like so that was a little bit insane to me but yeah it just shows how deep rooted the trauma was and but what i will say though is that when i saw that transpiring, I predicted that she would just be a crackhead. Like it would kind of be a BMF situation where she'd end up on the streets talking to herself like Lamar, you know? But her dying in episode two, didn't expect that. Didn't expect that. I was very shocked at that. Especially since Lauren has been one of those kind of side recurring characters, but that's given us such a lot. She's had main themes in every season so far, like with the new season. So. I didn't expect them killing her off so quickly. And then Jack being so traumatized on the back of that and taking the food like she did from Sully. I understood that, even though it really didn't make any sense. I did understand her mindset in doing that because, you know, Lauren died. She was obviously grieving and then she saw that that crackhead um, that they usually sell stuff to, and that she went to her house and saw the baby, the fact that her baby was dirty, she hadn't washed it in days, by the looks of like it, it was on the floor. Literally, this mom didn't give a fuck about anything else but the pipe, you know? What they done to the estate, what they done to people's lives, what they'd done to the lives of so many children that were their responsibility. And what I will say is that I do, if we're gonna put out the belief and the the phenomenon that everyone is responsible for their own actions, which is the case, then we can't put all the blame on the drug dealers because at the end of the day, they don't make anybody do anything. They're putting out a product where there's already a demand for that product. So these people would get high off of something if they weren't selling the drugs, they will buy from somebody else if it wasn't them, you know? And I know that to some people that might sound like, but like, it is the case that that is the truth. However, there is definitely something in you as a person that you know that you directly in putting out this product has resulted in this and feel no way about it like if we're being real those type of drug dealers are psychopaths if we're being real really real like there has to be a little bit of a psychopathy element in your mind To be able to do that type of thing and feel okay you know that be out in the street and just feel no way about it and keep doing it i understand why that needed to happen because there needed to be some kind there needed to be one character that felt a little bit bad about what they were doing at the end so i got what they were trying to do with jack but i just kind of wish she just took the money and went (laughs) like i was a bit confused as to why she took them like what are you going to do with the drugs if you don't want to sell them anymore girl like you, this, that was literally an emotional reaction. It made no sense. Like it, it was literally just Jack panicking, feeling some type of where the grief was moving her along. Like it, cause it made, there was no plan. There was no end goal. Like it made no sense. And it was just such a stupid way for Jack to get wrapped up and get in a situation. Like I felt like they could have written something cleverer than that. But I did understand if we're going off of the grief and the emotion, I get it. It makes sense. Firstly, do Shane as a clown. How are you gonna not even try to ask that man for some money? You really don't know that he'll say no. He might, but at least you'd have tried. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't understand why seeding his drugs was the only plan he had in his mind. There was nobody you could have asked for money. Also, what are Jack and them man doing with their money? I'm just confused. Because other than Duchesne, it doesn't look like anybody's actually putting this money to any use. What is the point in ruining the lives of so many around your community and never feeling like you're safe or away from paranoia if you don't even have the money to show for it? Like, I just... Anyway. (sighs) Back to the topic at hand. The end. So, Duchesne. Him getting shot like that was so funny to me. Like, the way Sully shot him, they were both shocked. Like... (laughs) They were both looking at each other like like they were both having the same facial expression like the fuck like you don't know what a bullet does. Like it was so funny to me. And I I, I actually quite liked that scene. I felt like it could have been a little bit more like I feel like they could have had a little bit more talk about how they were boys. Because it's so funny how it rarely comes up that Sully and Duchesne actually grew up together. Like it comes up a bit, but I feel like it's easy to forget because they've only referenced it like maybe two or three times in the entire series, you know? and i felt like the last scene unless i missed it i could have missed it I was so busy laughing at the two of them but that was a point to be like you know talk about something in school like you know something like that that represents how long this friendship has been you know and how we've really gotten to this point where one of you has killed the other one you know just highlight the drama of that like i just felt like that was missing a little bit but i did like the fact that it ended that way so that's what i predicted that one of them would kill the other and it was probably going to be sully and duchene Sally killing Duchesne, and them kind of having this dramatic speech as one of them speaking out. Like that's exactly what I pictured. I just think it could have been executed better. You lot should have hired me basically is what I'm trying to say. But the end, the final, final part, I don't even have an insult venomous enough for you lot. You are really going to end Top Boy like that. That Sully just got one in the neck. R- rant, Sully randomly in broad daylight near a kid's school he's really not watching his surroundings to that extent in that scenario and he got killed by who exactly like it looked like jack i think it was jack but we don't fucking know that oh i was so irritated when it ended like that i was so fuming oh oh you know what i bet that's why Kano walked off set i think i answered my own question earlier he definitely walked off set for that reason. I fucking would have. How dare you end it like that? I oh, I'm so mad. You can tell Asherdy and Kano have a problem with this Ronan guy who wrote the series. That's what it was given. It was given fuck this white man who <laughs> didn't write the story in the way it should have been. Like to be fair, what I will say is that originally I didn't think there was an issue, writing wise. Like the original Top Boy, I thought was fine. I did it to me. It does look a little bit alarming. This much gun crime in London. We do have gun crime, obviously, but there are some times that I look, I watch it and I think, hmm, I feel like you guys are Americanizing it just a little bit because we're a knife country. We're not a gun country like that. But at the same time, I live in the suburbs. I'm so not about this life. So I really wouldn't know anyway, you know? So perhaps there's just a whole lot of shit that goes on, you know, in this fictional area in Hackney that I'm just not aware of, you know? But yeah, that was a bit of a disappointment. I can't lie, top boy. I would say do better, but that's it now. And that's that's how you're ending. Such a stellar show. They're lucky that the acting was good. The acting is always amazing. And that, that saved them this season, in my opinion. Because if the acting had been anywhere less than stellar... Oh, boy, that would have been a shit season. <laughs> so shitty. Yeah, anyway, we move. And I just don't understand why they killed Jamie just to do all of this. You might as well have brought Jamie back. Even Kit. Because... I can't lie, with them involved, it would have been a little bit more exciting. That was what another thing that was missing for me, the excitement. Because that's another thing that saved season two for me. It felt a bit dull. Not dull for a show, but dull for Top Boy. Until we got to the part where Sully got taken and Duchesne and them man had to come through and, you know, up until that point they were beefing and then Duchesne had to, you know, get his Superman cape on and come save his boy. That's when it kind of picked up for me the series last year, last season, because that was that's the essence of top boy the excitement the the feeling of escapism for me anyway like i said someone who is so not about this life while you're watching it and you're just you know you feel like you're there almost while you're watching it and it just feels so exciting, even though you're literally watching it from the comfort of your living room, you know? Like I did feel like that was missing. And that's why the connects dying so early felt so strange to me because it's usually those, are, those people are usually the source of that action. So yeah, everything was just a big question mark for me this season. I would really love to know what they were thinking, if they were thinking anything other than let's wrap this the fuck up now. But yeah, shout out to Ashley Shout out to Kano, a.k.a. Kane Robinson. Shout out to Jasmine Jobson. Shout out to Saffron Hocking. Shout out to... I'm so sorry. I believe those are the only people... Oh, shout out to Little Sims, of course. I don't love your character, girl. I don't. But I enjoy seeing you on my screen because I love the fuck out of you. So, yeah. uh, Shout out to Nole as well. I really liked her character this season. What I will say is that was the fakest and shittest slap I've ever seen. The, The slap that Jack gave her. Oh, that was so shit. But she she did her thing i really liked her character i really liked seeing how hard on top of being a mother and having a job (laughs) you know people uh, like her would have to work to be this voice within the community to get anything accomplished you know and it still ended up in the season with them killing the kids so yeah I, i really liked what she brought to this season and And I genuinely hope to see Michael. And the good news is we will see Michael Ward and we will see Kane in something else. Why do I call him Kane? Kano in something else very soon. I believe Michael Ward is doing a film with Olivia Coleman soon. And I know Kano's doing, he's got a project in the works. I just don't remember what it is. So it won't be long before we see them on our screen again. I hope the same is said for Asher D. I'm sure it will be. You know, he was on Bulletproof as well. Those were like the two main projects he was working on. So obviously now Bulletproof is not on anymore because of Noel Clarke. So he mentioned on the Diary of CEO that now not being on Top Boy frees him up quite a lot to do other things. So I'll be excited to see what those things are. And yeah, I think that's all I really have to say about Top Boy. I'm ju- trying to just gather all my thoughts and make sure I've said everything just cause that will be the last time I'm talking about it. So, but I'm pretty sure that's really all I had. And that shows how shit this season was because on a normal top boy season i was you lot don't understand i was saving my energy to do and uh, this was gonna be my this was gonna this was most likely gonna be a lot of use introduction to my youtube channel like i was saving so much energy to do a detailed episode by episode review on each one and i at the end of it was like i ain't doing all of that <laughs> like not for this <laughs> you must be crazy i'll just talk about it on the last episode of the show and here we are so yeah, that was Top Boy. Moving on.
1: I got hot I got sauce hot in, in my backswag. Swag.
0: So in other news of what I've been watching, I've also been watching this new show called The Other Black Girl. If you live in the UK like myself, it is on Disney Plus. So it's based on this book by Zakia Delala Harris. I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but interestingly enough, as if I don't have enough to do, I also have a book club called Black Girls Lit. So we focus on reading books by black female authors. But, you know, every so often we have a wild card choice and then we'll read a book by an author that doesn't have to be a black woman. But yeah, anyway, if you guys are interested, join my book club, Black Girls Lit. I will put that in the description as well. So anyway, we did read this book, but I really wasn't feeling it. I'm not gonna go into detail as to why, because if I do, then I'll have to kind of give important spoilers for the show. So I'm not gonna do that. But essentially we got almost halfway through and I just really wasn't feeling it. It felt like, basically what I will say is that it was a bit get out us-y, which is fine for films and TV shows. But I feel like when I'm reading them, it just doesn't it it doesn't receive in the way that I'm sure the author wants it to. It feels a little bit like a caricature of us almost. And I again I can't really go into detail because I don't want to give spoilers, but the, the concept of it when you're reading it just feels like, did a black person even write this? Or did a problematic white person think of this concept and then ask a black person to fall for it? You know? That's what I was thinking. I can't lie, when I read the books, I was like, I just can't imagine me as a black woman coming up with this story but when you watch it on screen it makes more thriller i i again i don't know if it's just me but i've had a look and the book has had quite a few negative reviews so i'm sure i'm not the only one that kind of felt that way in reading it but i did also feel this way when we read when no one is watching and the author her name escapes me but i feel like it's Alicia something and i'm so sorry if that's wrong i know it begins with an a but we read that book also and it has a thriller type of concept like The Other Black Girl, like us, like Get Out. And I just feel like I felt the exact same. The book didn't feel as bad when I was reading it as The Other Black Girl, but it still was a bit like, mm, I don't really get it. I'm not really I'm not really feeling it. There's something about that genre that just makes more sense when you're visually watching it to me than reading it. So I enjoy The Other Black Girl as a TV show much more than I did the book. We have a group chat for the book club and I've let all of them know as well. We talked about it actually before when we saw it was coming out. And I've let all of them know it's safe to watch it. (laughs) So yeah, I would definitely recommend. It stars Sinclair Daniel as the main character, Nella. And it also stars Ashley Murray as Hazel. And Ashley Murray is on Riverdale. I've never seen Riverdale, so I don't know her as well. Um, But they both seem like up and coming actresses. More so Sinclair Daniel. But yeah, they both did a really good job. Bellamy Young is also in it. That was nice to see, you know, Bellamy Young from Scandal, Melly. And I think, obviously, she kills it. She's a great actress, so she killed it. And but and Garcel Beauvoir is also in it as well. She plays an author in it. And yeah, I'm halfway through. So I still can't even really speak on everything. Not just because of spoilers, but just because I'm still... There's, you can tell they're saving quite a lot of it for the last half because um it's only half an hour episode so it's such an easy watch so i feel like they're just teasing us still with you know the actual horror of what's to come which i've basically everything i've seen so far i've already read in the book So I feel like the next half, which is what I'm gonna watch when I go home today, is gonna be the parts that I'm not familiar with so much. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And I heard that the ending also leaves it open for season two, which was quite unexpected. I thought it would be a mini series. So that's good. But yeah, that's The Other Black Girl. And I've also watched now, I was gonna say I've been watching, but I finished it now, and Just Like That. So if you do follow me on TikTok, you'd have seen that I've already done a TikTok on Sex and the City, I had a whole rewatch of Sex and the City. And then I watched And Just Like That season one afterwards. And I did a TikTok on the first season as well. So I only just finished the second season. I won't lie, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't think it was going to be as... I will not say it's good in the term... When you compare it to Sex and the City, the levels are not the same. It won't be. I'm, I can't like. Because I even said in my last TikTok about And Just Like That. When you watch the movies even just after the TV show, it just don't slap the same. Like... It, that essence is just not there anymore in the movies but and just like that is pretty good but where it comes to season two I felt like I only enjoyed it because of Nicole Ari Parker's storyline I forgot her character's name in it but I really enjoy watching her storyline not just because she's a good actress and she always understands the assignment but because I'm just it's so nice to see uh, a black storyline that isn't too forced that isn't an authentic black storyline carried out on a show like this. And I have done such a U-turn from when I originally saw the first season because I initially was like, I don't think Sex and the City was one of the shows that really needed a main black character. Like personally, I don't watch shows like Friends and Sex and the City and think we are missing, you know? I personally think as, as important as representation is to me, it doesn't need to be everywhere. There are some stories that can just be a predominantly white cast, like that's not a big deal to me. But then when I watched season two of Unjust Just Like That, I was like, this was quite a pleasurable experience to get a TV show that follows the storylines of different people and get not just one, but two black women that you're following their storylines. And I think also, cause Naya again, U-turn because first season I was not caring for her. I did not like her, but I just felt like she was unnecessary. Like she didn't need to be an addition. Nicole Ari Parker and her family is one thing, but I just felt like this Naya babe was a bit of a, a hanger on. Like, I just didn't feel like her storyline really fit. It was just there to be there. But in the second season, and I don't know if it's just because, you know, one more single babe just interested me that bit more, but it was nice to see. Like I actually was more interested in her storyline this season. So I feel like if we went for Nicole Ari Parker and Naya, uh, whoever the actress is that plays her, apologies, I forgot her name, and um, Carrie getting back together with Adrian, yeah, I don't think I would have really cared that much about this season. I don't feel like I can even really remember what happened. Oh yeah, Charlotte went at the art gallery. Like, you know, little things happen here and there. Miranda's storyline, I can kind of like, take it or leave it at this point. Like, I don't care anymore. Like, do you know what I mean? She's, she's so far removed from the Miranda that we once knew that I kind of don't really care what happens to her. As much as her relationship with Shay and following that is interesting, around the time when they broke up and, you know, towards the end of season two, they're not even really in each other's lives anymore. You're just seeing both of them just do different shit it just kind of reminded me how much they changed the character of Miranda. Like I feel like they took away her spirit and her confidence and just kind of made her a nervous wreck. And I really wasn't feeling that. There's things that I like about the show and there's things that I really don't like, put it that way. But I'm actually invested and I'm excited for season three. So I guess they did their job. I'm really surprised, definitely shocked because I wasn't expecting that to be my feedback. And I also, again, surprised I liked Samantha's scene. Kim Cattrall, eventually, as we knew she was going to, because I talked about it in the last episode I did, I believe, she did film a scene. So in her scene, she had a conversation with Carrie on the phone. So obviously in real life, she didn't have to film with Sarah Jessica Parker, as we know is her worst nightmare. I thought I was gonna hate it, but I actually did end up liking it because she still had that Samantha energy. And yeah, but at the same time, it didn't make me feel like, oh, I wish she was here. Not because I wouldn't love watching Samantha now, but because I just know her dynamic just wouldn't fit in with what we've got now. Like it's just too much going on. So I feel like they've achieved what they needed to in that sense, that Samantha no longer is a missing puzzle piece. They've kind of recreated a new puzzle with these new pieces, if that makes any sense to anybody but me. But (laughs) yeah, so I think that they've achieved that in that sense and because of that, I am feeling the spin off. I will be tuning into season three and I'll be very intrigued to see what they bring, especially now that Aiden's back. Now, I am venturing out of TV talk now because I think that's quite enough, because Top Boy took a little bit longer than I thought it would. On to reality. I got hot I got
1: sauce hot. in my face. <laughs> reality.
0: The reality segment, so for those of you who forgot, this is the segment where we discuss what transpired on our favorite reality shows, any news or tea that's gone on outside of the show as well. But I'm not gonna lie, very much like Hot Topics, I cared for a millisecond and then I just didn't give a fuck anymore. Like I, on Monday evening, cause I've been doing Real Housewives reviews, like I said, I set up to do the last episode, Reunion Part Two, sat down, did a good, I wouldn't even say half of it. I got almost to 75% of the review. And then my camera cut off. So when I got up and thought I was finished, I still had quite a bit more to do. And I was so hot, it was late. It was Monday evening and it was almost midnight. I didn't have time to edit it anyway because I had to go to bed. So I was kind of like, you know what? That's that's actually when I made the decision. I was like, I'm just gonna talk about it on the show because I can't do this. (laughs) I can't do this because real housewives it's just not giving like it was that it, it, it just feels like there was a huge change this time around i had so much to say about ralph and drew sit down because that was crazy in my opinion like it's so funny to me that ralph is working so hard to convince us that drew is this big liar all her storylines are fake she's phony she paid me to, she wanted me to adopt her kid for money. Like, all this bullshit, right? It is so clear from watching that sit down that man is a fucking liar and a, the most major gaslighter. Like, the way he spoke to Drew and the way he would lie, but in the same breath then admit it. Like, I was like, what is wrong with you? Like, there is actually something the matter with you. And the fact that Courtney was there, caping for him, jumping up and down like side chick of the year. I mean, bitch, we don't have receipts, but we know you are side chick of the year. It was just like, what is all this for? Like, she has your children. Do you know what I mean? Like, I still feel like, regardless of what's transpired between the two of you, there's such a huge level of disrespect here. Like, why are you bringing on this woman to co sign with you who you know doesn't see it for your wife? Why are you sitting amidst this group of women and gaslighting her and acting like everything that comes out of her mouth is a lie? Because I've said in my past reviews and on my TikToks, people like to make a big deal out of Drew lying. I really don't get why. Because number one, you all lie. Like all of them on that show lie Kenya, Sheree, Candy, Courtney, Sanya, Marlo. Every last one of them hoes lies. So why is it different for Drew, especially when what she's lying about is her business? Like the Latoya thing, I couldn't care less. Honestly, it's not gonna change my life whether she kissed Latoya or not, whether she admits it or not, don't give a fuck. So I'm much less invested in that story than everybody else clearly, because everyone seems so upset about the fact that she's lying about it. But regardless, what does that have to do with Ralph? Like, I'm not really understanding. What does that have to do with Ralph doing the shit he's been doing? Like we have seen with our own eyes that Ralph ain't shit. So I really don't understand why people are trying to rewrite history now. It's so obvious that Drew lies about little things, but I don't think, and she probably is lying about hooking up with Ty. She definitely is lying about hooking up with Ty, but I don't believe she lied to Ralph. That's what I think. I think that Ralph knew because let's be real, number one, especially with the way he's been acting with her doing the movie, I don't believe that if she was hooking up with a woman, he'd have an issue with it personally even if it was a stud and not, you know, a woman that he'd probably prefer watching her hook up with, you know? Like, I feel like in the mindset of the man that I saw going to visit her on set, I personally don't think he'd be divorcing her because she hooked up with a woman. That's what I believe. So I think that there's a chance that she could have lied to Ralph, but I think it's more likely that he knew or that she told him anyway, which is why she brought Ty to his birthday party. And regardless, let's say that it was a big deal for him and she never told him, cool. Essentially, you're trying to paint a narrative that you're this choir boy and you never done shit to her. Sir, Tampa. Tampa. Remember Tampa? Remember Tampa? And we know that he's been fucking her outside of Tampa too. Like, it's just obvious. You just know. Like, Ralph is that type. And he... He's a fuckboy enough that he'll bring a side chick on the show. So please stop trying to act like because Drew hooked up with Ty, it was this huge disloyalty and betrayal. And that's why your marriage ended. And everything else that Drew says about you now is a lie. Because at the end of the day, you're saying that she tried to get you to adopt her son for a money grab, all of this. But weren't you writing a whole book about the fact that you wanted to adopt him? So what the fuck are you talking about? Make it make sense. Like... That's just so dumb to me. And the fact that he didn't say anything about Courtney making that comment about Josiah, because I think it's just so wrong that Courtney made that comment and she's made it so passionately because she feels like she's doing what Ralph asked her to. So that to me shows how fucked up he is. And I couldn't for the life of me believe how much they were trying to paint this narrative that Drew's this big liar, that this is all for shows and stunts. But most of the stuff that she was saying to him he either did not deny the things about blocking the therapist, treating, mistreating her, dismissing her feelings, cheating on her. If you go back to that scene, that nigga never denied it one time. Yeah, when she cried, he said she was an actress. And yeah, when she said the thing about the DM, he said, oh, that's a bot or that that's a catfish. And that might, might well be true. But Drew, right after he said that, also brought up many other messages on her phone that he conveniently talked over her for. He talked over her for that whole portion. But it sounded like every single time Drew opened her mouth, she had a new story to tell. So for me, as a woman, really trying to watch it and see what's good, it looks to me like Drew was telling the God's honest truth. Yeah, Ralph ain't shit. (laughs) That's really all I have to say about Royal Housewives. I don't really understand why Candy is so invested in this beef with Drew. I really don't feel like anything, like seeing the women like laugh and, and just basically act like they were there to be the spectators on Drew's trauma and laugh at the moments that where they felt were most hilarious. I don't know, I just felt like there was something very uncomfortable about that for me. Like, I I feel like in the past, when we see scenes like that, for example, Quad and Greg, when they had their moment, when they were just going through a divorce in Marry some medicine, they had the opportunity to be alone on stage and for no one else to weigh in. And for them to really have their moment with Andy, even fucking, Kim and Kyle on Real House as a Beverly Hills. They had a separate episode with Andy at the point where they were really falling out as sisters. So I didn't understand why when it was Drew and Ralph, they had to have this audience of women that don't fuck with her. Like, I just felt like that wasn't really cool. And I felt for Drew in that moment because I know me as a person, I couldn't handle that. Like I couldn't handle a whole stage where women are gonna chime in and make me feel even shittier about this shitty experience that they know nothing about, you know? And I'm very glad that Kenya spoke up for her because nobody else apparently wanted to. And I didn't really understand that because I was looking at all of them like, is your beef with Drew really that deep? Like, I, I just feel like as women on a show like Housewives, there has to be some kind of sister solidarity. Like, I feel like having a man come onto this show to embarrass and gaslight his wife to this extent, like this is, a uh, for me, quite a high level of emotional abuse. And for them women to just be co-signing it the whole time Candy didn't laugh like Marlo and Sheree and the others did, but, you know, Candy to just kind of be there, like, making awkward face, and again, this could be production, but Candy just not saying anything, because Candy's meant to be Drew's friend, you know, like, so her, like, going from on the show, her saying, and scene, the one time she cried, and then to go to this, it's, I'm just looking at Candy, like, uh, bitch, are you kind of Mama Joyce, and we didn't see it till now because you're it's giving mean old lady. Like, I I don't understand. Like, is it really that deep that Drew said you were lying about some shit that she made very clear that she didn't want to talk about on camera and that she was going to lie about if it came up again? Like, is it that serious? Is it really that deep? I don't know. I just thought it was fucked up, but hey. That's just me. And also the reunion was so weirdly produced. Like, is there a new production team or something? Because I didn't really understand why. It felt like they were just dropping things and not marinating on them a little bit like Top Boy because they would drop, like Drew's receipts or Charay's receipts on Drew. Candy did say that they talked about it more in depth and I would assume that that is the case, but it's just weird that they brought them here and said they were the shadiest receipt of all time or whatever and then didn't elaborate on it. There was no comment, there was no even verification as to whether or not this was true. Maybe they were trying to spare Drew's feelings and her privacy. Maybe it's to do with the fact that there's a lawsuit pending with her and Ralph, and maybe legally they can't talk about it. I've never claimed to be, you know, (laughs) a legal head like that. So perhaps I'm wrong, but I felt like perhaps that's the reason because I really don't understand the point of producing this if you're not gonna really elaborate on it. But anywho, that's Real Housewives of Atlanta. I was also watching Basketball Wives recently. I've actually been watching Basketball Wives for a little while now, but I stopped around season six and then I started to continue it again recently. And I've come up to season 10 now. And you know when you spend all this time and energy, well not energy, more time, (laughs) binge watching a trashy reality show and then you get all the way near to the end to realize, wow, you bitches are really shit. Are you really ignorant as fuck? And don't get me wrong, I don't watch Basketball Wives and think I'm gonna get, you know, like Michelle Obama. Like, you know, it's trashy reality TV. I understand. But this level of ignorance, we don't need it on our TV screens. We just do not. And I'm on season ten now and I'm so conflicted because now Brooke and their man are back and I really like Brooke. So I wanna kinda watch this season to see what it's giving because I did like Brooke and I think that they got rid of her too early as well. But the colorism thing that transpired with OG, I can't understand as a group of prominent black women like that, regardless of what social setting or scene that they are in most of the time, they are around and privy to more educated and mature black people. So for the life of me, I couldn't understand how they saw the backlash, (laughs) they saw the season and how it all went down. And still decided to come back and gaslight the person they bullied the last season. The person who they called monkeys and aggressive last season. I, You're really, as a, as a group of women of color then, let's say, because we're going to include Evelyn Lazada, who is not a black woman. As a group of women of color, you're really going to sit there and tell me that you don't understand the problem with calling a darker skinned black woman a monkey and think that I'll believe you. Really? Really? I don't care how light-skinned you are, I don't care how ignorant you are. You know what the fuck you're doing when you say shit like that. I've never heard those bitches reference anyone else as the Tasmanian devil, as King Kong or Godzilla, or whatever one of them said, as a monkey. Like, I've never heard them speak with such disdain. Like they were animalizing her, is animalizing a word? I don't think it is. But they were treating her like an animal, speaking to her like an animal. Even the way they would separate her, put her in a different room because she's so crazy and aggressive and dangerous, when she hasn't fought anyone. But Evelyn Lazarda has been throwing bottles and leaping across tables. But because she's the spicy Latina, it's fine. Tammy Roman has been the biggest bully on the show. And I really like Tammy now, but in the beginning she was the biggest bully, but because they're light skin, it's fine, right? Okay. Like, I just couldn't like... So when I got to season 10 and they still didn't even want to acknowledge it because I'm on like episode two of season 10, I was just like, you bitches give me grief. And I get that again, which we're not going to reality show for the sense of being cultured or educated in any way. I get it. But this is meant to be escapism. This is meant to be fun, salacious, light. I don't want to watch my reality TV shows and get all kinds of monkeys thrown around. Erica Mena, sorry, we're not on that today. But I say that to say, but I say that to say, at least Love & Hip Hop got rid of Erica Mena. Assuming they did it permanently and not just for a season, in which case I will take that back because what the fuck good is that for just doing it for a season? But I just truly don't believe that a group of any people, even if they do look like us, should be calling black women monkeys and treating them in such a way i'm feeling like it's not a big deal <laughs> like i just really don't think we've come way too far in 2023 we're still not far enough but we're surely further than that do you know what i mean where people can just be calling us monkeys and get away with it i'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry no like that's just crazy in my opinion so because of that reason basketball wives i'm you thinking i don't think i need to watch you ignorant bitches like that and i don't think anybody else does but i digress
1: i got hot got sauce hot in hot my work,
0: So Nicki Minaj was emceeing the VMAs this week. I actually didn't catch it. Not the full thing, I caught clips, but it seemed like she did a good job. And she also performed, she teased a song that will be on Pink Friday too. And yeah, I'm not gonna lie, when I first heard it, I was like, ugh, just because Most live performances in general, I feel like I don't like, like when it's a new song, I'm like, I just don't see the point in this because it's never going to sound that great when we compare it to what the actual version is. So when we don't already have that familiarity with the song, I kind of don't always get them just dropping a teaser, but it works sometimes, like when Megan did Plan B. So... This was one of the times that it worked because when Nicki started rapping, I was like, oh no, I know I'm going to be feeling this song when it comes out. Yeah, I feel like this is going to be a bop still. I think I'm going like, to like this song a lot when it comes out in the album. So yeah, like I liked it, but I won't lie. It was given her, <laughs> I mean, it's Nicki. So, but when she said like, you think they'd be looking to her? But when she said, you think they look up to her, but when they-, they look up to me, I was like, girl, Lil' Kim has had her fans and it's fine. Like you have had your fans and it's fine. Like, are we really still in this place where you feel like your legacy and Lil' Kim's legacy can't coexist? I guess, yeah, cause you gotta get the barbs of Twitter somehow in it. But I'm just like, oh my God, in 2023, I don't have time for this mess anymore. Like you are a legend, Kim is a legend let's move on, (laughs) like, whoever likes who is whoever likes who, I fuck with both of them, but I just don't, girl, anyway, I just was a bit like, not Lil Kim, the last thing she said about you being that she like a versus, and this being now what you say about her, okay, like, it just seems so stupid at this point, like, girl, anyway, I just hope that you know what, I'm not going to bother hoping because Nicki will disappoint. So let's just move on. So yeah, anyway, we're in new music. So Bongo's dropped last week. Megan, The Stallion and Cardi B. I think it's Cardi B featuring Megan The Stallion actually. And again, like I said earlier, I was kind of off the grid this week. I wasn't on social media that much. So a lot of what I'm seeing is only like the last couple of days from catching up. But it was seeming like people weren't really feeling the song that much. And, you know, everyone has their opinion. Like everyone is different. Um, I get why in comparison to their others because cardi this is not anywhere near Cardi's best song or Megan's or them whether whether they're featuring or you know a standalone on their own track. So I do understand people that might be like, mm, it's just not, it's not, it's not given. But I don't know. I feel like people are being a little bit dramatic at the same time. Like I feel like people are really, really exaggerating it. Like it was the most terrible trash song ever. Like Cardi's released way worse music. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just was like kind of looking at people's critiques. Like really, this song is that bad to you guys? Okay. <laughs> like I didn't see you lot doing this when money came out, but hey, but yeah, I think it's fun. I think it's cool. I think it has the desired effect. I think that when it comes on in the club or in a party, you're going to dance to it. You're going to twerk to it. And I feel like people's energy to it online is very different to what it would be like in real life. Um, It might not be another WAP, because I feel like that's what they were going for when they released it. And it definitely isn't that. But I mean, at least not now. I will say that WAP did grow on me. I didn't even like it at first. So it's interesting to see how things, you know, go in that regard. But yeah. I, I definitely don't think, as the reception, you know, regardless of my personal opinion, the reception to WAP was definitely much different than what Bongos has given. So I don't think, I definitely don't think it did what they desired it to do. Cause I do think they were going for a WAP too, but I feel like the song is cool. <laughs> like I personally think that, you know, there was no amazing, overwhelming bars from either of them. So I do get why people were like underwhelmed, but I feel like it, the song is a shake your ass song. And that's kind of all I was looking for. (laughs) So I'm not personally displeased. But anyway, that was last week. I've actually this week stumbled on an artist called Ayana. She's a singer. She's actually from the UK. When I first discovered, I thought she was from the US. So I was really surprised to learn that. But she's really good. Like, I really enjoyed her music. I listened to her EP, In a Perfect World, which came out not too long ago. And yeah, I was just really liking her vibe. It's kind of like... R&B meets pop meets a little bit of A.E. soul, like it was a bit like that vibe and I really enjoyed it. Shenseya also dropped a single today called Waistline. I feel like Shenseya's singles for me, they're not bad because Shenseya is a good artist at the end of the day. So even songs that are not, you know, my fave, they're not usually going to be bad per se. But I feel like Waistline is going to be another one that I heard. And I was like, yeah, it feels sonically pleasing, but I probably won't return. I feel like it's giving that. Doja Cat released, Bal- is it Balut? 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 Anyway, she came out with that today or yesterday. And I was liking this, actually. I-, I don't really know what Doja's doing at the moment. I feel like she's just trolling us at this point with her music. I'm not going to lie. um, Because I don't even think she's demonic or, you know part of the Illuminati or whatever people say. Like, I don't even think that. I think Doja just likes to fuck with people and she likes to, you know, do what is least expected of her in that moment. I mean, at this point it's not least expected, but you know, like I think that she just likes to shock people. She's just one of those. And um, yeah, I just, I don't think it's it's any deeper than that, but I'm not gonna lie. Listening to demons gave me the (laughs) heebie-jeebies. So there's that. So I'm glad that I like Balut a lot more. And Nicki Minaj, I spoke about her earlier and I forgot to say that I did listen to Last Time I Saw You, which she dropped last week as well, I think. I wasn't really feeling that, but to be fair, I'm never, I usually don't like Nicki singing songs anyway. So I guess that was to be expected, but there's one or two times she comes through for me. Like on her last album, the Queen album, is it, oh God, Come, Come See About Me? I like that song. That's her singing song on the album. She always has one on each album, at least one. So yeah, for me, Come See About Me and Your Love. Those might be the only two Nikki singing songs as in where she's fully singing the whole song and not rapping that I like. All the others, the right through me and all of them, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, they're not a bit of me. So I guess it shouldn't have been too surprising that I didn't like this song, but because it's, you know, the promo track for the album, the only one we've gotten so far apart from that teaser at the VMAs, I was just, you know, my hopes were a little bit higher. I thought, I hoped I would like it a little bit more, but I guess not. I, I have been saying she's been releasing songs to the barbs quite a lot lately. So maybe that's what she plans. She better not be planning on doing that the whole album though. I'll be mad. So at the end of the day, it's not just barbs that are waiting to hear from your album. It's also fans of your music, fans with their own opinion that are not just up your ass. So give us something, you know? But yeah, that's about it for singles. And, well, I did talk about Ayana's EP as well, In a Perfect World. But other than that, I listened to Diddy, the love album. That came out today. I'm still not finished with it, actually. So I will say that I've still got a bit more to go. But yeah, there's quite a few songs I'm feeling on it. I like the song at the start with The Dream, Brought My Love. I like the one Homecoming with Josie. I like It Belongs to You by Josie as well. And I liked... Pick Up with Jacquees and Fabulous, I really like that song. Tough Love, Swae Lee, I really enjoyed. Stay Long, Summer Walker was pretty cool. I still need to rehear that as well because I was a little bit like, not underwhelmed, but I thought it was going to deliver just a bit more for Summer Walker because I was loving her last single with Usher. And um, yeah, this one with French Montana and 21 Savage and The Weeknd, another one of me. I really like that song. I just got to the one with Justin Bieber and I don't think I even got a minute in. So yeah, I'm up to that point. Not the next one being Kalani and Ty Dolla Sign. Oh my God, I might have to do a whole next video on that next week because I haven't even gotten to the crux of this, clearly. Coco Jones? Oh, I haven't even got into the nitty gritty of this. Oh no. Oh, I've got more to go. I haven't got there yet. So, so far I'm enjoying it. There's quite a few songs that I fuck with. And that I know I'll be back to. Particularly the one with French Montana and 21 Savage and The Weekend, The one with Queese. I really like those two. The one with Swaley was pretty good as well. Um, and there's another one. The one with, with Josie. Yeah. I really like them. So I know I'll, I will be playing the fuck out of these songs. So good for Diddy. I mean, I don't like that nigga. But hey, at least he's still got a talent in production. Who's surprised? Not I, but you know. What I was surprised about was that he paid all the bad boy artists for their publishing. I mean, if we're gonna listen to what Aubrey said, because Aubrey O'Day did speak up about this recently on a podcast and she did say that it wasn't every bad boy artist. You know what? Let me let me actually just play the clip for you because she'll say it a lot better than I can.
2: A, a lot of girlfriends that I know, famous girls, like housewives in LA, they f- were drivers at the end of the night. They don't, oh, that wasn't like, it. they don't trust men <laughs> they don't want to go their business uber drivers just don't even know who the fuck are if he's hot plenty of my friends have just been at the end of the night wanting to get laid and they just call their uber driver and get and leave oh. i've never done it but this uber driver was the first one i'd consider frankly but i got his number he's like but he would I, I feel over
0: you so did level. it like what do you mean <laughs> no, no no i feel him on a soul level why'd you say I that, that if you haven't done it or at least considered it She considered it enough to do it, which makes me think that she did it. Anyway, that wasn't even the clip I was trying to play. I don't even know whether... I must have bookmarked that by accident, boy, (laughs) because I don't even understand why that's here (laughs) because I don't even remember hearing it the first time. Anywho, this is the clip where Aubrey is talking about Diddy and him deciding to pay all the artists back from Bad Boys, supposedly.
2: Any claims or wrongdoings or actions prior to the date of the release... I have to sign an NDA that I will never disparage Puff, Bad Boy, Janice Combs, or Justin Combs Music, or EMI, or Sony ever in public. So, that you
0: just got recently for this thing?
2: I got it a few months ago when he started doing this. So, what's happening is artists, some of them, not all of them, are being given. Streaming royalties and ownership back over our publishing on songs that we wrote, um, at a time when you know that you have to stream a song a million times to make point uh, a cent. Yeah. Okay, it it's hundreds of dollars, and me as somebody that's a girls' girl, I hit everyone in my group and said absolutely do not take this deal. I can get us a show on Hulu right now and i talking about boy bands and girl bands because you have to realize there's a handful, two handful.
0: Wow, so it's just streaming. Did he <laughs> shit? Did he shit? So he gave back the publishing as soon as he knew it wasn't profitable anymore. Because gone are the days that people are streaming Danity Kane and Day 26 that hard. Wow, Diddy. <laughs> oh, that nigga ain't shit. And this is exactly why it's so tough to speak about men who are talented, but they ain't shit. Anyway, what's this album actually called? Because I don't know if I said the name. Diddy Love Album. The Love Album. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm feeling it so far. I'm definitely intrigued to see what the next half is going to be given. But other than that, I don't think there's been any music as of late that's really been resonating with me like that. To be honest, the majority of what I've been listening to is old stuff. I've been in a weird place lately. So it's been a bit of a difficult time to be seeking out new things to focus my brain on, to try and make sense of what I think of it and what I want to say about it including music so yeah this is the first few new songs i've listened to in in a good month or two probably not two but a good month month and a half but yeah i'm happy to be back i'm kind of (laughs) going but yeah it's been fun to do again this week and that's really it that's all that's on the docket and wow can you imagine The first time I don't go over in the studio. Well, I mean, not by more than six minutes. Six minutes don't count, right? So, especially when you factor in setup time, I'm sure they will disagree. But you know, like, I just think it's just so... I wanted to highlight that, considering I always go at least half an hour over, if that, maybe an hour for most days. And this is the one day that I didn't. I pretty much finished on time and it's my last one. Anyway you guys it's been real i love you thank you for listening to me religiously you have no idea what it means thank you for checking out my show thank you for being a listener and a viewer honestly i truly truly appreciate it and i promise you you're not even ready for the underrated salon and in the meantime subscribe to my youtube channel because i promise you my shit is popping so (laughs) so hello over there i am hannah oj on all social media that is tiktok twitter and instagram i would highly suggest you follow me at least on tiktok and instagram as well because i do post a lot of my tiktoks on ig so and if you are ever missing out on my opinion on anything that i'm not posting about follow me on twitter as well because i do tweet about nearly everything so yeah please please don't be a stranger Please answer the question in the podcast episode and just let me know if there's anything else that you want to see or hear from me. But in the meantime, I love you guys and it's officially a wrap on Unhurated. This is not goodbye. This is see you later when we will be over at the Unhurated salon. Bye.